0: can be who it says I can be, and I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the Word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open, and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this church. And Father, we depend on you. In you we live, we move, and we have our very being. Without you, as Jesus said, we can do nothing. And so I step back so the Spirit of God can minister to your people. And I thank you that we'll leave this place Spiritual sponges soaked up with faith to dominate the world you have put us in. I declare over our church that we are the head and not the tail. We are above only and not beneath. That, Father, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Lord, thank you that the word today is going to change our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you this morning. Well, uh, if you're... Here for the first time or second time, would you just wave at me? Wave, wave, wave first, second time. Okay, all right. Give our hand clap for our visitors. Last week, we started a new series entitled God First. Everybody say God First. And the purpose of the series is to help us get in alignment with God so that we can properly function with Him being first place in our lives. And that will hopefully translate into us being dedicated, motivated, and consistent. Everybody say dedicated, dedicated, motivated, motivated, and consistent. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 33, Matthew 6, 33. And uh, to help me kick my series off on last week, I shared with everyone a journey that I was on. And uh, I use this journey as a modern day parable uh, because if Jesus was physically here in the earth realm today, he would... Uh, do parables that relate to what's going on in our society and so to catch those up who may not have been here on last week who were not here on last week raise your hand if you weren't here on last week all right so i'm just gonna uh for 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 the sake of those who weren't here uh what i shared on last week was for months i was in limbo on how i wanted to wear my hair some of you are going do men have that problem only if you have hair So, so I decided to go the wave route. Look at your neighbor and say, he went the wave route. I decided to go the wave route, and while I was researching uh, the best way to have great waves, I ran into the video that I showed on last week, and in that video, these three principles popped up, and I said, man, these three principles on how to have great waves are three principles that we can use uh, in seeking God and having Him first. And so the three principles were dedication, say dedication, and this means to be wholly committed to something. To be wholly committed to something. It means to be devoted. And then we talked about being motivated. Say motivated. Motivated. And this is to have a strong desire to want to do something. A strong desire to do something. That's why people get high. They have a strong desire to move from one level to the next level. The second service will get that. They'll get it. (laughs) And then the third reason or principle was consistency. Everybody say consistency. And this is a steadfast adherence to the same principles or doing the same thing. So let's go back to our foundational verse in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 because it gave us and it gives us the key to being motivated to keeping God first because it's one thing. To to have God first, but it's another thing to keep God first. It's another thing to start exercising. It's another thing to keep exercising. It's one thing to start dieting. It's another thing to keep dieting. Amen. So the New King James Version says this But seek first, everybody say first. first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these, what, things shall be added. Now, the things in context, we're talking about our needs, what we eat, what we drink, what what should we wear, where we stay, basically our basic necessities of life. And I want you to notice that the results of seeking God based on that verse is us experiencing an added life. Look at your neighbor and say, I have an added life. Amen. God will supply every need in our lives when he is first place in our lives and we keep him first place. Notice I'm not just saying to have God first. I'm also saying to keep him first. Amen. And last week uh, I said the reason why most people may not see this added part of their life is because they don't seek him long enough to start seeing the benefits. In other words, there are certain things that you have to do consistently before you see the benefits of it. And when you and I seek God, most people don't see the results of an added to life. And so they get weary and well-doing and they stop. But I'm, I'm, I want to encourage you that if you will just keep going, everybody say keep going. If you'll just keep going, if you'll just keep seeking, if you just keep uh, uh, keeping him first, you will see the added come to your life. So what does it mean to seek God first? That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, because if God promised to add all the things I need to my life, if I seek him first, then it's critical that I, that I understand what that means. So, when you look the word seek up in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, here, uh, it's defined by four different words, okay? So, when you look the word seek up, it gives us four words that help define what this word seek means. So, what I'm gonna do is give you what these four words are because they are descriptions to things that we need to do. To show that we are seeking God first. So here's the first word that defines the word seek. It means to go about. Everybody say to go about. That's physically. You know the Bible says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So going about represents some physical or natural things that we should do. And we're going to talk about that today. And then the second thing that describes this word seek is to desire. Say desire. And that's internally. So the first one is physically. The second one is internally. The third one is to inquire, say, to inquire. And that's verbally because when you inquire about something, that means you are asking or there's a conversation taking place. And then number four is to require, say, require. And that's expectantly. So I'm going to break these things down over the next week or so. Now, since these four words define what it means to seek, we're going to look at these four things, but we're going to zero in today on the word uh, to go about or physically. Everybody say, when God is first in my life, I will experience an added life. Come on, you don't sound convinced. When God is first in my life, I will experience an added to life. You still don't sound convinced. When God is first in my life, you know what? Look at your neighbor. Maybe that'll make it more real. Look at him and say, "When God is first in my life, I will experience an added to life." Amen. So, the first definition, which is to go about represents something that we should be doing uh, physically or naturally. So what should our day look like if we're saying we've decided to seek God first? Well, this implies that we should prioritize God as first. We should prioritize. Notice it says seek first. Everybody say first. That means God needs to have priority in our day. So before we physically go anywhere or talk to anyone, we should have an encounter with God. Notice I'm describing seeking Him as an encounter. Because if you see it for anything other than that, you won't maintain the motivation that you need to continue to go. We need to have an encounter with God. We must structure our day with God physically being the first thing we do. In other words, before your feet hit the floor and before your hands touch the door, you need to start seeking. This means now that must be planned because if you don't plan to seek God first, then guess what? Your day will start and you will end up not seeking Him. It must be planned because it's not automatic. Seeking God was programmed into the life of Jesus, and that's why He was successful. So let's go to Luke chapter 6, because what I want to do is just point out that seeking God first was part of Jesus' priority in life. And if it was a priority of Jesus, it must be, become a priority for us. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, And it came to pass in those days... That he, Jesus, went out into a mountain to do what? Pray. And he continued there for five minutes. What does it say? He continued how long? All night in prayer to God. Amen. Just like you and I go to to the refrigerator to get food, Jesus purposely went to the mountain to pray. Watch verse 13. And when it was daytime, he called unto him his disciples, and of them, which means that it was more than 12 people that he called his disciples. It says, but and of them he now chose how many? Twelve who became what? Apostles. Now I want you to notice something before we keep going. One of his most critical decisions, which was choosing his apostles, I want you to notice that he spent time in prayer and seeking God before he made that major decision. And this is why most of the time when you and I are making major decisions, we don't make good ones because we haven't taken the time to spend before God to find out what he would want us to do. Amen. So the first thing, say the first thing. The first thing that you and I must physically do to seek God first is to have a designated place and a designated time. To get started, because some of you, you're new in the faith and no one's ever explained to you what it means to seek God. I'm about to explain that. Now, for those of you who've been around for a while, that's fine. Because what I've discovered is that believers, once they've been saved for a while, just because you've been saved for a while doesn't mean you're walking in what you've known or have heard. It, it's, here's the, here's the, the diabolical thing about knowledge. Knowledge will deceive you into thinking you're doing what you know. And a lot of times, saints are looking for new information when they haven't started doing the old information. Amen. So the first thing you and I must do physically to seek God, we must have a designated what? Place and a designated... Notice verse 12 that we just read. It says that he, Jesus, went out into a mountain to pray and he continued there all night before God. Now, believe it or not, God enjoys having a designated place to meet us. God looks forward to having a designated place. Let me tell you what a designated place and a designated time says to God. It says, God, you're so important to me that I've carved some time and a place for just you and me. Amen. There was an old school song, You and Me Together Forever. You and me, just us two. No, no. How many of know that song? Ah, oh, you need me and I need you. I'll do what you want me to. No? Thank God for all the saved people in the room. Anyway. God looks forward to having a place and a time to spend with us. In fact, if you just look at the first book in the Bible, Genesis, God met Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And that's why when they sinned against him, he missed them. He came to meet with them that day and he couldn't find them. It's not, listen, it wasn't a geographical thing only. He was calling them in the spirit realm and they didn't hear him because they were spiritually disconnected. But he came to the same place at the same time, the cooler of the day, to spend some time with them. In Exodus chapter 24, it tells us now that God gave Moses a specific place that he wanted to meet with him. It says in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 24, And the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me into a mountain. And I want you to be there and I will give you tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written. Notice that he told Moses where he wanted to meet with him. And I want you to notice something else. He gave to Moses something Moses didn't have. When you and I spend time with God, God will share things with us that we don't know of. He'll give us things spiritually that we need to know that may not have even uh, happened yet. God will give us spiritual insight into our day. Well, he told Moses, I'm going to tell you some stuff you don't know. In verse 13 it says, And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua and Moses went up to the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Hey, y'all stay here until we come back again. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. If anybody have any problems... Let him come to them. In other words, he said, Listen, I'm going up to spend some time with God. If someone has some issues, don't come up to get me. Have Aaron and her to take care of. Verse 15 says, And Moses went up to the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord upon the mountain of Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and in the seventh day he called Moses out of the cloud. Now see, most of us, we have, we spend time with God two days and we ain't heard nothing and we ready to give up on seeking God. Well, God ain't said nothing to me. Well, maybe he did, you're just not on the right frequency yet. See, God is not, he is not uh controlled by time like we are. So even though you spent time with God yesterday and he didn't say anything, your yesterday is still today to God. So Moses here, he was up there six days and God had not said anything. Most of us would have checked out on God. Moses stuck with it. Let's see what happened. And the glory of the Lord shined upon there. And then it says, He called Moses out of the cloud in the sight of the glory. The Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain. Verse 18. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mountain. And Moses was in the mountain how many days? Forty days and what? Forty nights. That sounds like he was fasting because I I can't imagine that there were some rabbits up there he could eat. He was up there how many days? 40 days and 40. So here's one of my challenges to you. I want to challenge you to spend 40 days consistently with spending time with God. And if you mess up, start over. Everybody say 40 days. Notice that God wanted to meet Moses in this designated place. David has had a designated place, but he described it as a secret place. In Psalm 91 verse 1 it says... Uh, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, this is what what will happen. They will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then David said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. Well, listen, you can say that He is your refuge and your fortress when you're in that secret place. See, when you don't spend enough time with God, He won't seem like He's a refuge. And He won't seem like He's a fortress. Why? He's going to feel like He's far away from you even though he's on the inside why because i'm not in that secret place but when you're in that secret place the bible says he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowl you won't get caught up in what you're going through you won't be caught up in what people are saying about you you won't be caught up in the trials why because i'm in a secret place and in that place he's a fortress and he is my shield he says listen He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the noise and pestilence. He will cover me with his feathers, and under his wings will I trust. He says in verse 5, you will not be afraid when you are under this wing, for the uh, uh, either for the arrow that flies by night, nor the terror by day. He says, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness. Verse 7 says, a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand on your right hand. Why? He says, but it won't come nigh you. Listen, it can't come nigh me, because I'm in the Secret place. When we spend time with God in a designated place, at a designated time, it trains our flesh. See, your flesh needs a routine. Just look at your neighbor and say, Your flesh needs a routine. Now look at him again and say, Don't talk to me like that. No, no, no. Your flesh needs a routine, watch this, in order for discipline to take place. Amen. You may say, well, Pastor Edmund, what do I do when I pick this time and when I pick this place? Well, you're going to do the basics. I'm just going to throw these out for free. They're not on the screen. But the basics are you're going to praise God, praise Him. Just thank Him. I don't know if I have anything to thank Him for. Well, if you got a brain. You ought to thank him. The Bible says, "Entering his gates with thanksgiving and coming to his court with praise." Listen, don't 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 come in my room, Landon, without saying good morning. Landon is the most politest person in the world. He is going to say good morning, Daddy. I just love it. But most of us, we don't do God like that. We're like, God, I need you to help me today. What? 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 No love, no love, no love. Where is the love? Where is the love? Where is the love? Where is the love? How many know that one? You old, that's why you know that one. Don't make me think I'm the only one in my 50s up in this joint. <laughs> You're going to praise, you're going to pray, you're going to confess your sins, you're going to confess things that you need to, you're going to thank God, and then you're going to do some declarations over your life. That's what you're going to do during this time. And then, listen, so the first thing is you've got to pick a designated place and a designated... Okay, here's the second physical thing we're going to do. We're going to fast and pray, and that's what we're doing this week. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit right now about fasting and praying, because a lot of people... They've been told to fast and pray, but they don't understand why they're doing it. Amen. Don't don't ask me to starve and not explain to me why. Right? Now, I want you to notice I'm using the word fasting and praying. Because if you are fasting and not praying, all you're doing is starving. Fasting and praying is a great way to help you and I, watch this, to help our physical man to die and our spiritual man to seek God. So let's look at some things that of why fasting can help us draw close to God. Because remember, you're going to set up a time and a place. When you get in there, you're going to read, you're going to praise, you're going to thank, you're going to worship, you're going to do those things, but also During this time of fasting and praying, watch Luke chapter 4, because Jesus participated in fasting and praying. And let me tell you something. If fasting and praying was not real, Pastor Evan would not be doing it. Because I like meat. Let's start there. Okay? I like meat. I like candy. I like soda those things that we're fasting, my flesh is not happy to do it. So if it didn't have results connected to it, I wouldn't be doing it. So I, the reason I'm sharing this with you, I want you to heighten your expectation of God doing some things in your life because you've decided to sacrifice and fast and pray. Watch what verse 1 says. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, He returned from Jordan and he was led by the Spirit, where? Into the wilderness. Listen, don't fight the wilderness. God may have led you there. See, we think that being blessed is always about being on the mountaintop. But you can be blessed in the wilderness. See, because I'm blessed wherever God led me to be. So if he led me to be in the wilderness, I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm telling you the truth because you're in the wilderness anyway, I might as well tell you. Because half the Christians, when they get in the wilderness, they're like, well, I don't know what's going on. I gave my time, my and I've been praying. And it just seemed the devil just said, no, it ain't the devil. God's got you in the wilderness. And let me tell you a secret about fasting and praying and being in the wilderness. You will still be tempted by the devil. Watch what it says. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, uh, returned from Jordan. He was led by the Spirit where? into the wilderness and being there 40 days being tempted what of the listen no no he wasn't tempted one time he was being tempted 40 days listen they just recorded three of them being 40 days tempted of the devil and in those days he did not eat what nothing and when he was when he was ended he was hungry i would hope so Look at verse 3. And the devil said, Who said? The de- oh, so the devil can talk to you while you're fasting and praying? Absolutely. He talked to some of y'all this week. Go on and eat that. Ain't nobody going to know. Ain't nobody looking. Ain't nobody looking. The devil said to him, if you be the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. I want you to just notice that temptation, listen, it had nothing to do with food. It had all to do with Jesus' identity. Verse 4, and Jesus answered him and said, It is written, you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that, uh, uh, out of God. Verse 5, and the devil took him out in the high mountains uh, and all this. And then he says, all power I will give you. And then Jesus said what he said. And I'm trying to rush through this. If so, if you go down to now to verse 12. <laughs> I'm trying to give me some time on the clock right now. Verse 12, and Jesus answered said unto him, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended all of his temptations, watch this, he departed from Jesus for a season. The devil's going to come back. But when he come back to you, please let him find a stronger, more committed Christian. Don't let him find you in the same spiritual shape you were in when he left you. When he left you the last time, you was holding on by a string. Lord, I don't know how I'ma help it. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Lord, please help me, help me, help me. And then the the devil leave for a season, and he come back, and you be like, Lord, please help me. He just leave you alone. I can't do nothing to them. They already done it to themselves. Let me, let me go find Pastor Evan, please. <laughs> Watch this now. Verse 14, I want you to see this. Okay, so let me go back and read verse 1. Verse 1 said, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. And then now verse 14 says, And Jesus returned, watch this now, not just full of the Holy Ghost, He returned in the power of the Spirit. He went into the wilderness full of the Spirit. But after praying and fasting, he came out in the power of the Spirit. And that's how you get power. You don't get power by watching somebody on YouTube preach. You get power through fasting and praying and resisting. Resistance produces muscles. Right? The more you resist... The bigger your muscles are. Well, the more you resist. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. But it didn't say resist him one time. Fasting. Well, let me just point something out. And this is just a thought. Look at your neighbor and say, this is just a thought. I want you to notice it was eating a food. That initially separated man from God. But now it's the separation of food that's drawing man closer to God. Do you notice that? Notice that uh, when Adam and Eve, listen, them eating food separated them from God. But now Jesus comes on the scene and says, you know what? I'm going to use the very thing that got you in trouble, man. And I'm going to deny myself of that so that now the very thing that that, that separated you from God is now going to pull you closer to God. Fasting is a way of presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is good and what is acceptable and what the perfect will of God is. Listen, I'm about to say something that's very challenging. Just look at your neighbor and say, he's about to talk to you, though. You ready? If your fasting is not a sacrifice to you, then why would it be a sacrifice to God? I'm going to say that again. If your fasting is not a sacrifice to you, Why would it be a sacrifice to God? In other words, see, like Pastor Chase said, if you are a vegetarian and we giving up meat this week, you ain't doing nothing special. Why don't you give up vegetables this week? That's a sacrifice. Tell you what, why don't you eat meat and don't eat vegetables? That's what you need to do. All these different words, selectitarian, vegetarian, fiscatarian, pescatarian. What's all that, Presbyterian? What's all that? (laughs) Anyway, let me get focused here. The reason we need to fast and pray, I want you to hear me on this. The reason why we need to fast and pray at times is because some things, watch this, can only be broken through fasting and praying. Let's go to Matthew 17 and we'll end right here. Even though I'm not finished, we'll end right here. Matthew 17. And when they were come uh, to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, talking about Jesus. He kneeled down to him and he says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic. How many got lunatic kids? Let me see. Uh, no, no. He's crazy, Jesus. Have mercy on my crazy son, for he's oftentimes fallen in the fire and. Falling in the water and acting like he's crazy and seem like he's on crack. He's hanging around friends I don't approve of. He's smoking things that are not legal. I'm talking about some of your kids. You say, well, yours are included. Yes, they are. Because I don't know what they're doing when they're around me. But I will find out. So if you are a young person in the room, 16, 17, 18, because you ain't grown at 18, let me just tell you that. I'm going to waste the rest of my time just on this point right here. Because it ain't even a point in my notes, but I, I, I feel led. I need to say this. How many under... The age of 24, under the age of 24, raise your hand, under the age, under the age. Okay, not that many. I won't waste my, my minutes then, I'm going do that. Thank you. Why well, your kid's not here for me to say it, so what you going to do, go back and tell them Pastor Evan and say it? Oh, really? Not trying to get me in trouble. How many want me to share? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. I've had this conversation with Heaven, my oldest, several times. That's three words, several. (laughs) And the talk went something like this Heaven, I know the world says you're grown when you're 21, but you're not grown to me when you're 21. Until, heaven, you are paying all. Phone bill, apartment bill, nails, hair deed, braces, doctor's appointments. You're not grown till you pay all of them bills. You not grown till you out of my house. Until then. If I'm paying your necessities of life, you might be 21 but you ain't grown. Therefore. Oh. <laughs> therefore. You have to say it three times to them. They don't hear you. Therefore, you abide under my rules and my God. Now, you don't have to abide by my rules if you don't want to. All you got to do is pick your own life up, pay your own bills, pay for your own school, pay your own card note, pay your own insurance. But until then, you are under my roof. Somebody say amen to the Lord. <laughs> we just started a revolution up in this place. Huh? So now let's get back in the spirit. Okay, so quickly, because I'm out of time. I'm out of time. Isaiah chapter 58, starting at verse 6, explains what fasting does. I'm reading now out of the New King James very quickly. It says, why should we fast? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? This is the kind of fast God wants us to have. He says, to loose the bonds of wickedness. Wow. To undo heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. To break every yoke. Notice these are things that happen when you and I fast. Is, not, is, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? When I was in college and I was fasting and praying for the week. I would go up to the lunchroom because we couldn't, back in the day, we couldn't eat more than one time. I would go up to the lunchroom, get my tray and give it to somebody because I know they was hungry. Listen, don't be like, oh, I'm going to save some money this week because I ain't going out to lunch. Why don't you buy lunch every day this week like you would have ate lunch? Because it says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor? When you're naked, cover them, verse 8. Watch what happens when we fast and pray. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring spring forth speedily. Notice healing is connected to fasting and praying. Even dogs know this. If you have a dog and he gets sick, he don't eat. He fasts. Why? Because your body responds to fasting and praying. He says your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. You verse nine says, You'll call upon the Lord and He will answer you. He will say, Here I am. So, church, church, listen to me. Don't just fast and pray. Fast and pray with expectation. I'm expecting God to lose some things. To break some things, to destroy some things. And this is not just for you. This is for your family. See, Joshua said, as for me and my house. Don't listen. If they in your house, they are under your house. Amen. They don't get a cho- If you live with me, I don't care if your rusty behind is 30. You go to church. Why are you giving your kids an option to go to church, and they live under your roof? Hello, I thought the boy was a lunatic. No, no, you going to church? Well, I ain't going. Well, just when, just know this. just know this: when you come back, whenever you leave, nothing will work for you. Your key's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. How many are ready to fast and pray with some purpose? With every head bowed and every eye closed. There are some people here that may not be saved. And this may sound foreign to you. Why are they talking about fasting and praying? Maybe because you're not spiritually discerning. And the reason why you're not spiritually discerning is because you're not saved. Your spirit's not connected to God just like Adam, was disconnected from God. The only way to get reconnected to God is through Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, nobody's moving. If you die today, if you're not 100% sure you go to heaven, I want to pray for you.